new perspective. I'm used to being like doing lights and stuff. Um, so tonight, we are doing stuff a little bit different. I love saying that. I always feel like Deb. I feel cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're doing things a little bit different. Um, you're going to have four of your leaders come up here, and they're going to tell you what's on their heart. Um, they may be not as serious of subjects. They may be a little bit uh, more heartfelt. But it's really just your leaders telling you, you know, different things that we see in you guys, um, different things that should be important to you guys, all right? So first off, I'm going to be talking to you guys. And um, I'm actually, I'm, okay, I'm Gina. I'm Gina, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to be talking to you guys about something on MySpace. Um, so first off, how many of you have a MySpace? Okay, so a lot of you guys. Um, and how many of you guys have posted or um, have seen somebody post a bulletin? I'm assuming mostly everybody. <laughs> um, so I've noticed that um, bulletins, there's like four categories of bulletins. Um, you've got your surveys, which are just asking you very random questions about yourself. And just about everybody posts those um, Yes, I mean, it's kind of interesting to find out different things about different people. Um, and then there's also things like event informa information. Like, okay, hey, it's my birthday this weekend. Come hang out with me and do this. Or, um, hey, there's a show coming up this next weekend. Or my favorite was, um, hey, come to Hosapalooza. <laughs> so um, a lot of people do post these. It's just information about things that they find important in their lives. And um, then there's always the profile update bulletins. Hey, I just put a new picture. Go comment it like 50 billion times. <laughs> so although these ones aren't really that important, they're always fun to put and see if like, people leave comments and stuff. Um, and then the other category, the last category, is the chain mail. Um, these are the bulletins that... Um, they <laughs> I heard somebody say dumb. Um, the ones that are like, um, the guy of your dreams will kiss you if you post this in the next three minutes, and he'll kiss you three times, or like, <laughs> I don't know, like crazy things. So um, I could very easily talk to you guys about all four of these categories, because there's a lot of stuff that's good and bad about them. But I'm actually going to talk to you about the chain mail bulletins. Um, so, um, in my mind, chain mail is really pointless. Um, yeah, a lot of people can agree with that. Um, because it's not true. Like, and so many people, like, repost these things, you know, knowing that it's not true. But what's the point in it, right? So, um, I'm going to just give you guys a couple, like, examples of different chain mail that I've seen. Um, so, for an example... You go on your MySpace, and you see a bulletin, and um, the headline is sex. So as teenagers, what do you do? You open it. What does it talk about? <laughs> you know? um, so you open it, and it goes through this whole story about a girl who um, was followed home, and then later on that night, she got murdered in her bedroom by this guy named Fred. Okay? <laughs> um, and... At the very end, it says that Crazy Fred was never found, and um, lately there's been a chain of murders in your area, and if you don't repost this, you'll find Fred in your bedroom one night. Okay? 
So you repost this because you're a little bit freaked out. Now, come on. Why do you repost it? Is it just because you're like a little bit freaked out, you think it might be real, or is it a lie? Like, what do you really believe? So another example um, would be one, let's say you go on a little while later on your MySpace, and you see a post, and it's called Dream Boy or Dream Girl, okay? And you open it, and you read the story about a boy who has this terminal illness, and he's going to die in like a month or whatever. And um, before he dies, he takes all these flowers out to the park where um, him and his girlfriend always hang out. And he plants all these flowers without her knowing it. Well, he dies, and then like a month later, all the flowers start blooming. And it's in, um, it says, I love you, like through the flowers, okay? So um, at the end of the bulletin, um, it says that your crush is going to tell you that, you, th that they love you if you repost this. Okay, and it's, it's, we're laughing about it, but it's true. Like, these things happen all the time. Like, we always see these types of bulletins. Um, so you repost it thinking of that guy or girl that you think about all the time, and then you sit at home, and you wait for the phone call, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the phone call never comes. So are you disappointed? Why'd you repost it? You knew it was a lie. Okay. So after that special someone didn't call, you go back on your MySpace. And now you see a post that says Jesus. Okay? You open it up because you're a Christian and you want to know what it's talking about, right? So you open it up and um, it tells you about Jesus who came to this world as a man and he died on the cross for our sins and um, that he rose again. And... Um, at the end of the post, it talks about the scripture, talking about denying Christ, and if you deny Christ, then um, you're going to go to hell. Well, um, you repost this, not because, just, it's not just for fun this time. You actually kind of start thinking, is this real? Am I actually denying Christ if I don't repost this? But I want you guys to know that it's not real. It's just like the last two. Like, it seems like such a, more, such a serious situation because it's about Jesus and, you know, it's about our relationship with God. But it's just the same. It's just as fake. And um, in John 2.14, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? So in order to prove our faith through our actions... We have to live the Bible. We have to become more like Jesus. Um, everything that it says in the Bible that Jesus did, we have to become more like that. Um, but by posting one of these bulletins, we're doing no action except for clicking our finger on the button. Like, there's no, there's no point to it. Um, so people that, when you repost these, the people that read these um, Jesus bulletins are probably either going to read it and either make fun of Christians or they're Christians and they're reading it, and then they start thinking if it's true or not. So really, all I have to say is that, in all honesty, it's dumb to be posting these types of bulletins, especially these ones about Jesus, because our relationship with Christ has nothing to do with MySpace. If you want it to have something to do with MySpace, write on your MySpace, I love Jesus, he's the Lord of my life. You know, things like that. And it, 
I mean, it's just MySpace. It's just an internet thing. People don't need to find out that you're a Christian by a bulletin that you post that says you're denying Christ if you don't repost this. It's kind of dumb. So um, that's really all I have to say um, because I see this time and time again, um, just all these little posts that have no point to them. You know, it, yeah, they just don't have a point. So that's all. That's what's on my heart. My name is Kate. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. That's kind of crazy that he said that. Yeah. I'm going to talk about respect and kindness. Um, I talked about it like two weeks ago. I talked about kindness. And I don't know. I think God has really been talking to me about this. Um, and just like a couple situations that have happened recently and things that people have said. So I really wanted to talk to you guys about it. I actually wanted to refer back to what I talked to you about two weeks ago because it was kind of funny. You know that story I told you guys about, um, I'll tell it again in case you weren't there. There was a guy who went through the Starbucks line in Florida and the person behind him was honking and beeping and being all rude and stuff. And the guy, he decided to like com combat that with kindness and he ended up paying for the guy behind him. Well, the rest of the day, because that guy was so shocked that, he, that the guy in front of him paid for him, he paid for the next guy and it happened the rest of the day. Everyone paid for each other the rest of the day. Um, so it was kind of funny. I went to um, Taco Bell with my sister the other day. And I, I was going to pay for us both, but they didn't take any debit or credit. And I hardly ever carry cash. So it ended up my sister had to pay for us. So we went through the drive-thru, and the truck pulls up behind us. And the guy's beeping, and he's, the one passenger guy's out the window. He's barking. <laughs> he's barking at us. So my sister turns to me, and she goes, would you be really angry if I flipped him off? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So I told her the story, and she's like, that's craziness. I'm not going to pay for him. But I just wanted to tell you that story because I thought it was funny. <laughs> My sister's crazy. Um, anyway, the part of the reason why I wanted to teach on this again today was because while I was teaching on kindness two weeks ago, there was literally people making fun of other people in the groups. There was literally people that were laughing at other people and their answers in the groups. And that really hurt, you know, because I'm looking at these people and I'm trying to put something into them. I'm looking at you guys and I'm trying to tell you guys about kindness and about God's love, and you still don't get it. You don't get it that God calls us to love everyone. God calls us to love each other. And God calls us to respect each other. Um, Galatians 5, 22 through 25 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become convicted, 
I'm sorry, conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So that's obvious. God calls us to be kind to each other. God calls us to be patient, to be loving to each other. But obviously, it's hard to do that sometimes. It's hard to do that when people are rude to you. It's hard to do that when some guy behind you is honking and beeping their horn and yelling at you out their window at the drive-thru. But it doesn't matter. God still calls us to do that. And if that's hard for you, then that's something you need to work on. That's something you need to pray about. That's something you need to really focus on in your walk with Christ. Because it doesn't matter how rude that guy is. You need to be nice to them. You need to be kind to them. Um, I also wanted to talk about um, just leaders that God puts in your life. Leaders that God calls you to respect because they're there for a reason. Even if they don't always say things that make you happy, even if they don't necessarily say things that you, tech- you really agree with, God put them there for a reason. You know, your parents, your teachers, the leaders here, up here in CYM, the leaders downstairs in regular church, God put them there for a reason. Um, I hear people talk about their parents all the time. Up here, in the room, I hear them talk about their parents and how horrible their parents are, how much they hate their parents or whatever, how they don't have parents, <laughs> you know? Um, but you know what? It doesn't matter. God calls you to respect the people that take care of you. God calls you to respect the people that brought you into this world, you know? Um, that's something I had to struggle with for most of my life because my mom left when I was three, you know? It's hard to respect somebody who left you. But I've never, I don't know my mom, but God still res- calls me to respect her in my heart, to not hate her in my heart. So, you know, even, I know you guys go through the same stuff because I know most of your families are probably broken, probably hurt. And you always have that, you know, but this is what happened. You know, this is my story. This is why I don't respect them. But it doesn't matter because you're still called to respect them. Um, Teachers, I mean, how many of you pass notes at school that say, oh, this teacher sucks, you know, whatever, like, draw pictures of the teacher, whatever. I did it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I had a teacher in math that I glared at all day, every day, because I hate, no, it's Spanish, sorry, because I, <laughs> I hated the way she taught. Um, this before I was saved, <laughs> but maybe, I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but um, the point is, I mean, chances are, they're going to figure out somehow that you go to church or whatever. Somebody's going to talk about it. And they're going to label you as a Christian, and that's the image they're going to get of, of Christians, you know, your teachers, your classmates, whatever. That's the image they're going to give of, get of Christ. That's part of the reason God calls us to be kind is because we're, we're supposed to be representatives of Christ. We're supposed to be showing Christ's love all the time. Um, just leaders up here, I mean... Obviously, a lot of us are like the same age. It's hard to be a leader over people that are older than you or the same age as you. That's hard, you know? It's hard to respect people if they're younger than you. But it's what God has put in place right now, you know? Maybe wherever you go next, you know, leaders will be completely different. They'll say different things. But right now, that's who God has put in place over you. That's who God has put in place over me, you know? So when you say things about these leaders, when you you know, you roll your eyes at them or whatever, other people see you, you know, and you're just really creating a really bad attitude towards the people that God has put in place over you, you know. Um, you can say anything to somebody, and if, if you're influential over them at all, you know, they're going to really take that to heart, and they're going to really believe it themselves, too. 
So I just wanted to say that because, I mean, certain things I've seen recently and um, people have said recently have really um, made me think that maybe people need to realize that God calls us to respect and be kind and loving towards everyone. You know, not just the people that agree with you, not just the people that are nice to you, everyone. Okay? My sister. All right. All right. So something interesting happened last week. I was sitting in the sound booth. That's not what was so interesting. That happens quite often, actually. But last week, I was sitting back there. After the offering had all been collected, there was probably, I think there was over 50 people here last week, probably about the same size as just right now. And I looked in the offering bucket. Anybody want to guess how much money was in there? Five dollars? It's all pretty close. There's actually a four, I think there was four, maybe there was five, I don't know. Four or five dollars out of 50 people. That's like eight cents a person, if you guys didn't want to do the math. I'm not here, I wasn't hired to come up here and see how much money I can get out of all of you guys, but I used to be the exact same way as you guys are. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being smart or being frugal, that's saving your money, but I am here to talk to you not only about giving, but about sacrifice, even more so than just giving, but specifically in the money faction there. Uh, So, like I said, I used to be the same way, and there's nothing wrong with it. But since I've started giving, probably the past couple years of my life, (laughs) seriously, actually devoting myself to giving, uh, tithing, offering for missions, Uh, if you haven't noticed... uh, so just since tonight, empty tank. She's been in the ocean for about five or six weeks now. Uh, but you guys are doing good. Keep it up. Uh, but what do you spend your money on is what I'm going to talk about. Uh, how many of you guys probably in this last couple weeks, maybe last week, went out to eat? All right. Guilty. How many of you guys went to the movies? Guilty also. How many of you guys went to the movies more than once? How many of you guys went out to eat more than once? All right, see? So we're spending money, unless you get it from your parents. But you're still spending money. All of these things cost money. The world revolves around money. But why can't you give any of it to God? Just a small portion of it. 
I'm not talking about going out, getting a job, taking your paycheck, and putting it in the bucket. I'm not talking about that. You could do it. That would either be very noble of you. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sacrifice. And I'm going to go over a few scriptures here. They're about giving, sacrifice. But the thing that's specific that's different about these verses is that they don't ever say a specific amount of money or something that you're supposed to give. People always want things laid out perfectly for them is that I'm not going to tell you guys next week, put $10 into this bucket and $5 in this one. The Bible never says that. All it talks about is sacrifice and that it's relative to you and that in your heart you know what you should give. So that's all I'm going to go over tonight. And it's something that really you deal with by yourself. It's not something that I can teach you but it's something that's up to you. So the first one, uh, Luke 21. Uh, Jesus and his disciples, this is what it's dealing with, uh, were walking through the town, and there was an old widow. Now, widows back in the day, they weren't like widows today, who didn't have a husband, but they can still support themselves. Widows were poor. Widows were looked down on. Widows had to be taken care of by other people, just like orphans. Uh, And Jesus and his disciples walked by seeing her, uh, in our verses 1 through 4 in the message version. Just then he looked up and saw the rich people dropping offerings in the collection plate. Then he saw a poor widow put in two pennies. He said, The plain truth is that this widow has given, far, has given by far the largest offering today. All these others made offerings that they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Notice that if, this was, uh, if God was worried about money or if God wanted to get money out of people, You'd think he would have focused on the rich people in these verses, wouldn't he? If God was talking about them, they put in more money than this woman did. It says it uh, really plain and clear. They dropped offerings in the collection plate. And this poor widow gave two pennies. Two pennies. How many of you guys have more than that? How many of you guys have like a couple bucks in your pocket right now? All right. Yeah, everybody's got money, and I'm sure everybody spends money every single week. But this poor widow, this two pennies was probably all she had in life. Not just to spend that week, but it's all she had. And she put it in there because it's all she had. It doesn't matter how much you give. We say that every single week for fuel. I don't know if a lot of you guys don't give because you don't have the $7 a week. Or if you guys don't even have a job, but you get an allowance or something like that. But really, it's about how much you can give. It doesn't matter how much it is. If you guys put threw a quarter in because that's all that you had, God still honors it because it's what you can give. It's not how, it's not a, God doesn't have like a limit of $5 is the only acceptable offering. Uh, so, how come so many of us are willing to, we devote our times here at CYM, here at, at home, maybe to our jobs. Uh, it's very easy to devote your time and your, maybe some work that you put in someplace. It's very easy to, but how come when it comes to money, it's so hard to put a few dollars in here or there? Anybody know why? Because it's a very, very interesting question. You're willing to, some people value time over money, but yeah, we're willing to give our time, but not our money. Well, like I said before, the world revolves around it. How rich you are, what kind of a job you have, how much money you make an hour, whether you're on salary or not. But I'm going to talk about here in CYM, the church, we are a family. That's what I want to talk to you guys about. And that uh, in Acts, which will be our next scripture verse, uh, it talks about the church, the very first church 
and it records a few, uh, a, a few things about the first church. In verse 2, very interesting. In the last couple of verses, verses 42 through 47, it talks about everyone around was in awe, all these signs and wonders done through the apostles, and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added those who were served. So basically what it talks about here is the church, just like us. This church is, it was the first church, but it was really not so much different. It was a family of believers that were together. And what it talks about here is they pooled all their resources together. Everybody that, if they had something, they literally sold it to help each other out. So I ask you guys, what if next week we start averaging, say, 150 people per service in here? Like, we're just packed. There's people, like, we have all the chairs up here. We bring up more chairs. People are sitting on the floor, but we're still doing service. How many of you guys would be willing that if you call yourself a Christian and you're part of this family, that you would literally be willing to give of what you had, not just your money that you have, but selling what you had, all of your resources that you had, to provide a new place maybe for us to worship? What if we had to build a separate building? We were so huge. Would you guys be willing to? That's what this Acts Church was all about. They were so close to each other that they sold everything everything they had, and they pulled it all together. If somebody had a need, they met it because they cared for each other. And they were, like, Deb always talks about being selfless. She talks about selfish, and she talks about selfless. And that's exactly what this church was. They were selfless. And so they were generous uh, in everything that they had, not only their money. And in these later verses, like I read, not only did they have everything they needed, but God added people to them, or salvation, which is the greatest benefit that a church can look forward to. Yeah, we can have new buildings, we can have new chairs, but salvation, people were added to their number. That's the greatest, and it, it's not because they gave money specifically, but it's because they were selfless. They were a community that was so close together that everything they had was each other's, and that's just the way that they lived. So that's, not the, so that's the biggest benefit that you can possibly think of. You can't think of anything greater if I've heard Cameron say it once, I've heard him say it a thousand times, <laughs> that salvation is the greatest thing. If you can say something better than getting somebody to Christ, then tell me what it is. Or if there's something, if there's a price too big to pay, then what is it? Because there isn't a price too big to pay. So the last verse that I want to share with you guys before we end, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, which is also not just about sacrifice, but specifically in giving. Uh, so 9, verse 7. I'll read 6 and 7, actually. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God's lo God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Not how much you give. I don't care how much you guys give, but that's your giving. That's what's... That's all it really comes down to. I, I couldn't, if I can get one of you guys to get that through your head and to understand it, it would be totally worth it tonight, is that it doesn't matter how much you give. So like I said, since I've been giving, I've never my, found myself short on money. I never found myself having to go out and ask people for 
support is that God's always provided for me personally. So I want to leave you with the definition of sacrifice. Uh, it's a surrender or a destruction of something prized for the sake of something having higher or pressing claim. So just like I talked this entire time, something prized. Money is very, very prized in this world. Like I said, the world runs off of it. But for something higher or more pressing claim, like I said, salvation. So what I want to challenge you guys for next week is to give what you can. I'm not going to say every single person bring in $5. I'm going to say bring in what you can. Uh, you guys are, I'm not, like I said, I wasn't hired to come up here to see how much money I can get out of you guys. But I think there is something that, uh, that just the whole aspect of sacrifice and that giving of yourself is that uh, it's important. It's what, it's what the Bible's about. It's about Christ coming and sacrificing his life for you guys. And so your money really shouldn't be something that's that hard to sacrifice. So that's all I got for you. Challenge you guys, give what you can, not any price, certain amount, but what you can. Cannons are bright. <laughs> Dang, can we like take these down or the house lights up or something? You can barely like see people. Woo. How you guys doing? Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, I was asked to to share with you guys what's on my heart, and uh, I got really excited when I found out I'd have this opportunity because I get to mingle with you guys like before and after service and stuff, but rarely do I get to just like sit down and share with you guys like. Like really, like, what is on my heart? Like, I'm thinking about you guys all the time. I really am. You guys are so cool. Uh, how could I not think about you guys? And there's so many, so my thoughts are occupied all the time. Uh, I don't have any notes or anything, because I figured it's called What's on Your Heart, Not What's on Your Notes. I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, I, re- <laughs> I tried to, like, come up with some notes, like, some stuff to write, uh, and I couldn't figure out how to how to put it down in such a way that that it was, like, organized and it, it sounded good, you know? Like, I couldn't really think of a way to do that. So I figured I really will just share what's on my heart uh, with you guys. And so I don't know how this is going to go. Um, I could totally fall on my face, or this could be the most brown-breaking... Gra- brown-breaking, <laughs> yes. Ground-breaking... Uh, apparently 22 minutes of your life. I have to take up 22 minutes. I don't think that'll happen, but it might. Um, but yeah, so what's really been on with my heart is God's really just been showing me how much he loves us so much. And we hear that all the time, and we hear it so often, and we hear it so flippantly. People just say, well, God loves you. Like We, we just hear it so often and so casually that it's lost its value, and we don't realize it. And it's just, it's just one of those, those things of Christianity. That's one of those things that you're supposed to believe if you're a Christian. But um, 
if you guys if you guys don't know, I was at a place called Rockford Masters Commission for like the past nine months, and it's like this it's intense time where like you just shut yourself off from from your life up till that point, like everything that you've experienced up till then, you go away from that and you focus solely on your relationship with God for for nine months, and that's what I've been doing, and it was the hardest year of my life, but also like the best year of my life, and during that time, I just, I realized in more ways than I ever imagined just how much, like how great God's love is for everybody, like for people. And so I really want to talk to you guys about your value and how each and every single one of you as an individual is valuable. You are worth something. You have value. Whether or not you've been told that you're valuable, whether or not anybody has told you that they love you and you've actually known that they were serious about it or whether everybody's stepped on you their, their, your whole life and pushed you off to the side and, and uh, labeled you as something that you're not um, or whether people just ignored you. They don't lift you up on a pedestal or they don't push you off to the side. They just walk right by like you don't even exist. And I just want you all to know that you all have extreme value and it's not where you think. Your value isn't here. Your value is not found anywhere on this earth. You could search for it all you want. You could search high and low on this earth, and you're never going to find it because it's not here. It's never, it was never meant to be here and never will be here. Anything on this earth will not give you the value that is rightfully yours. I don't care if you're, if you're a part of a scene and you fit into that scene and people like you and you're cool and you're at the top of your game. Your value is not there. You don't have any value there. I don't care if your parents think you're, you're the golden child and you've uh, been fed off, a, of a, off of a silver platter your whole life and your parents are like, oh, you're, you're my good little boy, you're my good little girl. If, if they put you up on that pedestal, your value's not there. That doesn't give you your value. I don't care if your friends think you're the coolest and they'll brag about you to their other friends. Your value's not there. That's not where your value comes from. But you are valuable. You are so valuable. Your value comes from the only person who can give you any kind of value, and that's God himself. Think about that. The God, the, the creator, the one who made that world that we have a picture of on the wall, the God who made all of that, looks past all of that, all of it, and he sees you. He looks past the mountains on California and looks straight down into the heart of the Illinois Valley and looks at you and says, that's my child. I love them. If you had to give me a choice between the, the, the Alps in Europe or this person, I would choose that one person over it all. I don't care how many beautiful things the Lord has made. You're his most beautiful. You are. And I think we forget that. And it shows in our lives because so often we, we run towards, towards things that aren't going to give us value, that things that aren't going to tell us how much we're actually worth. We run towards uh, scenes. We run towards friends. Um, we run towards, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends or, or popularity or status or owning certain possessions or whatever. We run towards those things hoping that they will tell us that, that we're good enough for them. And you're never going to be good enough because they create this ideal that you're never going to match up to. If you're running towards popularity, there's always going to be somebody who's more popular. I guarantee it. If you're running towards 
being the, the prettiest girl in school, there's going to be somebody who comes in the next semester who's even prettier. I guarantee it. And people are going to forget about you, and they're just going to walk all over you because that's not where your value is found. You're never going to find it. The Bible says that all that the world has to offer will pass away. It will pass away. Because the thing is, is this world was not built to last, but we are. We're built to last. We're built for something beyond this earth. This, this little blue ball that we call earth, it's not going to last much longer. Pretty soon the day is going to come where it's just going to burn up and it's gone. What then? Where's your scene then? Where's your boyfriend or girlfriend then? Where's, where's your best friend then? They're right next to you and you're without a world. Those things don't exist anymore. So where's your value? Where are you going to find it? You're only going to find your value in the one who's eternal, the one who will not pass away. And he has to offer you life. The thing, everything that this world has to offer will pass away, but the thing that God offers you, the life and the love, the love that he offers you will never, ever, ever pass away. There's, there's a, a song in the Bible. It's one of the Psalms. Um, I just quickly flipped through Psalms, and I didn't, I didn't find it, but Psalms is an enormous book. But what the guy who wrote it, what he said, he just, he's listing all these different events that happened uh, because of the Lord. And after each and every sentence, he says, his faithful love endures forever. And he's talking about God, that his faithful love towards us, towards humanity, will last forever. And I want you to know that that's where your value is found and the only thing that will never pass away, the thing that endures forever. Not a million years, not a billion years, but forever. That love will always be there. You know how like sometimes like, you get like a crush on somebody and you think they're the greatest and all this stuff and like you just wish that relationship would happen so bad and then it doesn't and you're still hoping that it might happen and it still never does. And then eventually you grow up. You move on. And by the time you're 20, you forget about the crush you had when you were 14. You've moved on. That love that you had faded away. You realized it wasn't really worth it. It's, there's somebody better out there, I'm sure. That's not the way it is with God. He doesn't look at you when you were a baby and say, oh, I love you. Like You're the cutest little baby. And then... By the time you're a stanky teenager going through puberty, he's like, eh, whatever, not so much. He says, no, you're the best darn good-looking stanky teenager I've ever seen. <laughs> like, that's the kind of love that God has for you. It's like, and he never gets bored with us. He never says, ah, there's six billion humans on here now. I've seen a hundred billion zillion of them, you know, in the thousand years that have passed. I don't know, maybe I'll make something new. I don't know. He never says that. Each and every time another person is made, God rejoices just as great because he loves that person just as much. When you were born, he rejoiced just as much as when his son was born, as when Adam was, well, he wasn't born, but when, when God finished Adam, <laughs> I guess, God rejoices just as much. What's up, Adam? <laughs> uh, and that's, that's the crazy thing. That's how much God values us. Um, but it kind of seems wrong, though, doesn't it? Like, how could God love me? How could God value me over this entire world? Like, 
I'm stupid. I screw up all the time. I even, I even claim to be a Christian, and I know that God loves me. If I didn't believe that God loves me, I, I couldn't be a Christian, because that's, you know, that's one of the things that Christians have to believe. Um, but I screw up all the time. Um, and sometimes I'm not so, wor- so much worried about whether or not God loves me, but whether or not he likes me. You know, is God actually, is he actually pleased with me? When he thinks of me, does he get that sinking feeling like, oh, man, they have so much work to do. Man, I just wish they would get it already. You know, does that, that love, that ridiculous, like, amazing feeling, like that bliss of love, does God actually have that for me? And the message that he's laid on my heart is, yeah, he does. Every single one of you, he has that for you. That he looks at you and he looks at your face. And then he looks past that. And he looks at your heart. And then he looks past that. And he looks at your motives. And then he looks past that. And he looks at who you are. He looks at who he made. He looks at this person that one day he had an idea. He said, I want to make a person just like Ryan. Or I want to make a person just like Kevin. Or I want to make somebody just like Kate. I want to make somebody who looks just like that, who acts just like that, who is this person. And then he made them and he fell in love with them. That's who he looks at. He looks at the existence of you. He doesn't look at your clothes. He doesn't look at your hair. He doesn't look at who your boyfriend is this week. He looks at you, (laughs) all right? He looks at who he made, the person whose image is before his eyes all the time. The Bible actually says that he thinks about us all the time that our faces are always before him, and that he writes our names on his hands so he'll never forget them. He writes it on the palm of his hand so it's always right there. It's always before him. That's how much he loves you. He never wants to forget you. And he's God, and he can't forget. And he even took extra precautions and wrote us on his hand. And he wrote our names in a book, a book that he reads all the time, a book that uh, I'm just so glad to be in that book. That's all I can say. But he looks beyond everything that anybody could ever see about you, any attitude that you've ever given to anybody, any bad habit that you've ever tried to overcome and failed at, any, any, uh, he looks at any, any way you've ever disappointed anybody, any way you've, you've, you haven't come through and you just, you dropped the ball, you screwed up. He looks past all that. Those things are, it says that he, he skips them on the sea of forgetfulness. It's like they're on a stone, and he skips it, and it skips for a while, and then it sinks, and it's gone. And you can't go get that back. That's, that's what those things are like to him. That he looks at you, who you are, and he finds true value in you. Uh, he, he says you're worth something. You know? He says you're, you're the most valuable thing ever. Not just in the world, but ever. Like, all right, think of how small the world is compared to Jupiter. You guys know how big Jupiter is? It's enormous, all right? And think how, ba- how, how small the Earth is compared to Jupiter's orbit. Like, that's enormous. And then that compared to the Milky Way, the whole galaxy, compared to the entire universe, compared to whatever's beyond the universe. We don't even know because it's so enormous. And he says, just you, you're more valuable than that. And he says, you're worth it all. You're worth everything. You know, the truth is we have screwed up. The truth is that we do, we do mess up. We do fall short. We try to reach an expectation, maybe even that God has set for us, and we, 
we suck. We drop the ball and we totally mess up. And that's happened. That's happened to us. Our existence, that, that very essence of who we are that I was talking about a second ago, that's, that's like, it's like stained. It's messed up because we choose sin all the time. We forget God. We forget who he is. We forget how much he loves us. And we go and we do our own thing. We put him on the back burner and we move on with our life. Um, and so that existence of us, we know it's stained. That's where that feeling comes from. Like, well, does God even love me? Does, does God like me? You know, I know I'm, I'm messed up. It's because, that, it's because we're, we're stained. And if we were to actually go before the presence of God, we wouldn't be able to last very long. God would say, you are you're dead to me. You've put me on the back burner and you moved on with your life without me. You're dead to me and I, I have to give up on you. I'm sorry. Like, you have to leave. Just never, I, I don't even know who you are. Just leave. Like, you don't even look anything like the person that I made. And we get that feeling all the time. It's because it's true. It's because it's true. It's because we are dead to him. But what if, what if there was a way that God could buy us back? You know, we're, we're such a screw-up. We know that we've screwed up. What if God was thinking one day, and he's like, what if I could just get them back? Um, what if there was some way for them to realize that I love them, I love the person that I made, and I want them with me for eternity? Just like his love never ends, he never ends, his presence never ends. And what if there's something I could do to have them with me forever, never ending. They're always right next to me. Not just their names on my hand, but them actually with me. What would it cost me? What would I have to do? Tell me what I have to do and I'll do it. What if God thought that one day? And what if I told you that he did? What if I told you that he found out the, the price and it was everything? It was everything that he was. It was his own life. What if I told you that in order for us to come before him, in order for us to be with him forever, he would have to give up his life. He would have to die. He would have to suffer. He'd have to be tortured, not just die, not just like a bullet to the brain, bam, you're done, flatlined. But no, it's first, your best friend betrays you. And then all of your friends betray you. And then your other best friend says he doesn't even know you. And then you're chained and shackled. And then you're made fun of. And then you're accused of doing something you didn't even do. And then you're beat, and then you're whipped, and your muscles literally pour out your back because they're just shredded. And then you're nailed to a tree and left to hang there until you die. And then you finally die. After those agonizing hours, then you die. Then you have absolutely nothing left. What if that was the price? Well, God said something to us long before that actually happened. He actually said it to Israel, who is like his prized possession in the Bible, which if you continue to read the Bible, you find out that it's not just Israel. It's everybody. So, so here's the predicament. We know that we're screwed up, and we wonder if God even loves us. And if we were to stand before God, he'd have to say, I don't even know you. You're dead to me. Get away from me. I'm sorry you can't be with me. But as you're walking away, he says, how can I give up on you? How can I let you go? How can I just destroy you? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not punish you as much as my burning anger tells me to. 
I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you, and I will not come to destroy. God said those words. He said them to a man named Hosea, and Hosea is like, this is a pretty big deal. I better write this down because somebody's going to need to know this someday. Somebody's going to need to know that God decided not to punish you. Somebody needed to know that his compassion overflowed his anger. God was angry, but he loved us and went far beyond that. Later on, God said some words very, very, very similar to these. Uh, he said them through his son, Jesus. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not die, but will have everlasting forever, enduring forever life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. To save it. Like, if you're around Christians any amount of time, you'll hear us call Jesus our Savior. You know, I talked to you guys, some of you, a few weeks ago, like, we used the word Savior, but we could just swap that with the word hero or rescuer, a word that we use more common today, like Spider-Man. He's a hero. He saves people from a predicament that they can't get out of and lets them live the way they're supposed to. You're obviously, you're not supposed to live strapped to railroad tracks with a speeding train coming at you. So Spider-Man comes down and takes you off and lets you live your life the way you're supposed to. We call Jesus our Savior because he did that to us, that we were in a predicament we couldn't get out of. We knew that we weren't acceptable to God. We had this overwhelming feeling that I'm not valuable to him anymore. And he came and he saved us. And through his death, we can now have life, and life to the fullest. We can have a full life, which means that we're living a life where we know how, much, how valuable we are. We know how much we're worth. We're worth everything. Everything that ever is, we're worth all of that. We're worth God himself. That's how valuable I am. That's, that's a fulfilling life right there. You know what's not a fulfilling life is looking for your value in fleeting things, in things that will pass away. It's trying to, to get that, that boy to say, you're the prettiest girl in school, or trying to get that girl to say, yeah, I'll give my body to you. I'll let you have sex with me. It's, it's trying to please your parents. You know, That's not a fulfilling life. That's, that's trying to say, I want you to think I'm valuable. I want you to think I'm valuable. I want you to think I'm valuable. When really God is off of his throne standing up saying, I think you're valuable. Come be with me. You're valuable to me. You're worth everything to me. Um, and it's all because of God's love. When he said those words through Jesus, the first thing he said was, for God so loved. You could rephrase that, because God so loved. The word for confuses some people, which it might. It says, because God so loved the world, because he loved you so much, that's the reason he gave everything. Not to save himself from anything, not to to stop, himself for, or to stop himself from looking bad, not to protect his own image, but because he loved you. I mean, think about it. When we screwed up, God could have easily done away with us all. Could have said, you know, you guys screwed up, and you're going to make me look like a bad God because you screwed up, and people are going to think I screwed up. And he could have just snapped his fingers, we're all gone, and his reputation probably wouldn't have even been hurt because there would have been nobody around to, to think he was bad, you know, because we were just all gone. So he could have easily done that, but he didn't. Why? Because he loved you so much. That's what the Bible says. Because God so loved the world, because God so loved you, 
that he gave up everything just so you could be with him. It's so much of a treat for God to have you with him. And you don't even realize, I don't realize, we don't collectively realize, we will never realize how much of a treat it is for us to be with God. He wants us to be with him because he loves us. Just think of what it's going to be like to be with him. That's ridiculous. We're never going to know on this earth. Nothing on this earth even comes close to that. So I really urge you guys, please, stop trying to find your value in other people. Stop trying to find your value in, in what you look like and what other people think you look like. Stop trying to find your value in, in your hard work, in how successful you are, in what you own. Don't try to find your value in that because that's not where it is. Respect yourself also. Another thing that's been really hard is respect yourself. Guys, respect yourself. Don't sit around and be lazy and let girls move these chairs or move these couches. Man up. Respect yourself. Say, I'm a man. I'm going to do this. I'm a man. I'm going to hold the door for somebody. I'm a man. I'm going to be polite. I don't have to be a jerk. I don't have to have a bad attitude for somebody to realize that I'm a man. Respect yourself. Girls, respect yourself. Don't say, if I wear my skirt so short, if it was any shorter, it would be a headband, and then maybe guys will like me. <laughs> don't wear clothes so tight we can see exactly what's underneath. Don't, don't flirt with every guy who's wearing a muscle shirt. Respect yourself, because you're worth more than that. You're worth more than what that guy thinks of you. You're worth more than that. People who work too hard in this room, people who work themselves to death, don't do that. Give yourself a break. Your worth does not come from your boss. It doesn't come from your paycheck. It doesn't come from how many hours you spend outside of the house so you have to get away from boredom. Your value doesn't come from that. Your value is not found in any of that. You who maybe don't work very hard, but you work to please others, and the only thing you care about is what other people are going to think about your work. Yeah, respect your work and do a good job, but don't be afraid to try something new. Don't be afraid to say, I can't think of anything else to do for this. It looks like the job is done, and I've done all I can. Don't be afraid to step back. And if they still say that you sucked, their opinion doesn't matter because your value doesn't come from that. Your value comes from the Father. So I want to pray uh, one thing for you guys. It's... It's actually a passage found in the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul prayed this for people. Um, I don't know. It just it blew my mind, and because this is these were like these were my thoughts exactly for you guys. Basically, everything I said today in however many minutes I took, I tried to stretch it because they told me I had extra time. Uh, I could have summed up in these like I don't know, was it? Ten, six verses, five verses, something like that. I could have summed it up. And I was pretty blown away because I, I went to prepare this and I'm like, I should probably have some Bible verses, right? Because that's what you're supposed to do. And honestly, I'm just like, hey, let's see what's going on in Ephesians today. And I read this and I just like dropped my Bible. And I, I, just, I just prayed this for you guys. And I've been praying it all day. And I don't think I'm ever going to stop praying it for you guys. Um, and just for everybody I know. I'm going to pray this for you guys. Uh, so I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to pray right now. Uh, so yeah, let's do this. Um, 
Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, first of all, I just pray that you will hear these words that Paul wrote a long time ago. Uh, I pray that you'll hear them, and I pray them for every person in this room and every person somehow connected to somebody in this room, whether or not they're here. Um, So I'm just going to read this, and I pray that you will hear it as a prayer for them, God. Uh, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. And now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He's able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ forever and ever through endless ages. Amen.